Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Hello, and welcome back to Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews. I'm very excited about our guest today. He's Michael Brown, the author of The Presence Process and Alchemy of the Heart, two books that have captured my imagination and heart because they offer an easy-to-understand explanation of the authentic life. In order for us to come to terms with anything close to authenticity, we have to get comfortable roaming around in the inner terrain. In order to get thusly comfortable, we have to see the journey as an adventure, and we have to suspend judgment. Michael teaches us how to gently release the imprinting of our childhood and to step into the moment fully present with ourselves. Through the alchemical changes that occur when one agrees to take such an adventure, one becomes aware of one's authentic self. To engage with the alchemy of the heart means, as Maureen Campbell put it, to put an end of all, to end all drama. In fact, it is to remember who we really are. It is a kind of surrender, a kind of allowing the heart to do what it would naturally do if we could get out of the way. According to Michael Brown, the heart can only come to our aid if instead of running from what we dislike, we become fully present with what we are experiencing. And I find that oh so often we spend entire lifetimes stuck in the bargaining stage of acceptance, filling our minds with fantasies about how it ought to be, if only. It is obvious to me that Michael's intention is to bring awareness to the possibility that we can live authentically and, yes, even in peace. Michael, thank you so much for being willing to give of your time to talk to our listeners today about this amazing journey toward authenticity. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Okay. Well, let's just jump right in there then. I'd like to talk first about the presence process and then about your latest book, Alchemy of the Heart, because I think the books fit nicely together into our discussion. You've mentioned in the presence process that the cause of our unbalanced physical, mental, and emotional experience is our unconscious addiction to the mental habit of living in time in order to escape the discomfort within our emotional body. Can you explain this to our listeners? Um, hmm. Well, the, the presence process is a procedure that enables us to go back to the causal point of, um, of our current experience. So um, living in time really is, you know, we have this thing of people say, okay, I'm not going to live in time anymore. Um, I'm going to take my watch off because I'm not living in time anymore. And that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is um, when a person, say, let's take an ordinary example of someone getting upset, uh, something happens in their day and they get uh, deeply upset. And when they're getting upset, there's three things going on. There's a physical experience, a physical circumstance that's upsetting them. There's a story they're telling themselves. And then there's a feeling that is deeply uncomfortable to them, that is actually what's causing them to be upset whether they realize it or not. And what living in time is, is becoming aware that that feeling that's coming up during the upset has got nothing to do with what's happening now. Um, it, it's, it, it's an imprinted 
experience from the first seven years of our, our entry into this, this lifetime. It's an emotional imprint from that time period. So living in time really is um, when I, my behavior now is being governed by something from, from the past, which is causing me to project uh, into the future. So that's really what living in time is about. And what the presence process enables us to do is to go back to that causal point, to journey back to that seven-year period and um, unhook ourselves from that particular incident or, you know, whatever it is. So living in time has got nothing to do with a watch. It's got to do with being uh, triggered by an awareness of things that happened to us uh, in those first seven years of our life. So living in time is, is sort of like being suspended in time, uh, reenacting the same old trauma and drama. Exactly, over and over again. And that's, that's very hard for us to see that um, whenever we get upset or a, a lot of other discomforts that we enter are really um, things that, that have already happened um, and they really are memories. Um, when most people get upset or enter states of discomfort, really what's happening is they're entering a memory. And it's very hard for us to see that um, until we're shown what, what, um, you know, what a memory is. In this work, a memory isn't what did I have for lunch yesterday. A memory is an emotional signature that was imprinted in us and in childhood coming into our awareness in this moment, but we don't know that or we don't realize that. And so what we do is we tell ourselves a story and we look at the reflection of that memory in the events around us. And we think it's the events or we think we can figure it out through the story. But actually it's an emotion, it's actually a felt signature, a felt aspect of our experience. So the memory itself is a feeling. It's not even a mental concept and it's not even the physical circumstance around us, although it's clearly reflected in it. Okay. So that's a clear explanation of what it is we're experiencing when we're in pain. What, one of the most powerful lessons of the present process is this idea of being present with whatever we're experiencing. Most people right. find that difficult, if not impossible, to do, but you've so beautifully simplified that process in your books. Can you say a bit about what shifts in consciousness have to occur before we can really allow ourselves to be present in a moment, regardless of that moment's content? Well, I, you know, I think it's just a choice. You, you were saying, you know, as you introduced your show, the authentic experience or the authentic self or authenticity. And, and um, for most people, when they're in a mental, because we're either very functioning with the world in a very physical way, or we're functioning in a very mental way, or we're getting into the emotional part of our experience, which is the causal part, the felt aspect. For most of us are functioning in quite a mental place. And so when you say to someone, you should become authentic, what they'll do is they'll go and look for a definition of authenticity, <laughs> and then they'll try and enact that definition within their behavior and say, okay, I'm being authentic because I'm doing this or because I'm doing that. But really what authenticity is about is is being honest with your experience as it is in the moment. Now, the, the, the most honest place we can come into in our experience is the felt aspect of it. The story we tell ourselves um, is, is very seldom has any relevance to it. And the physical circumstance around us 
um, are always changing, but when we're in a place of discomfort, what's true is that there's a certain feeling going with that. And if I allow myself to honestly turn around into that feeling and allow myself to be with that feeling, that's what enables me to enter uh, the experience of authenticity. When I run from that feeling into a story about what's going on with me, or I run from that feeling and try and change what's happening by rearranging the physical circumstances, I'm heading away from an authentic experience. So authenticity is about turning inward towards that felt aspect of the experience and allowing it to be there. Okay. And, and actually, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's almost an art form to approach the felt aspect of our experience and to be able to contain it without entering a story or, or physical, um, to try and physically rearrange our circumstances to make it go away. So normally what we're doing is we're entering sedation and control to try and cover up the felt aspect of our experience that's uncomfortable. The moment we make a choice to enter the felt aspect of our experience just as it is, that's when the journey of authenticity authenticity begins. Okay, so it's really, now this is a mental, mental kind of reframe of what you just said, but it's really some form of acceptance. Is that true? Uh, well, it, yes, it's an acceptance of what is. Right, right, okay. It's an acceptance of what is, and which really goes against the grain of much of our conditioning. Mm -hmm. Because, um, for example, the pursuit of happiness is... Um, a, a, almost a denial of what is and a trying to reach for something else. Mm -hmm. So the, um, the, the acceptance of what is is really about joy, and joy is very different from happiness. Joy is I'm going, to, I'm going to allow myself to feel everything going on around me. Happiness is I only want to feel those kind of feelings and I don't want to feel those other feelings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so authenticity really only starts with us when we allow ourselves to feel exactly what's going on with us at the moment. Okay. And we don't try and recover from it. Right. So now, do you find that when people begin to make that choice to allow themselves to be present with whatever feeling they're having, do you find that the feelings seem to become less intense? No, because, no, not necessarily. Initially, they become more intense. Right. Because um, um, for most of us, we've spent most of our lives suppressing and sedating the authentic condition of our emotional condition. So when we actually make a choice, and, and that's why I always feel so deeply for people that start doing emotional processing work, because immediately when we go into this, we're usually quite desperate. We're usually suffering on some level, and we, we really want to just get better. Not, we want to get better, not better at feeling. And... And in order to get better at feeling requires we start feeling all the feelings within ourselves that we've sedated or suppressed. Mm -hmm. And this can be quite overwhelming, and that's why I put it into a procedure in a way that, that uh, we can manage our experience in a very conscious, compassionate, and responsible way. Because initially when we turn around and enter our emotional body, enter the emotional condition of the child within us, in other words, the person, the first seven years of our life, when we look at that emotional condition, initially there's going to be fear, anger, and grief that we weren't even aware of. But the key to it is to enter it 
very consistently, responsibly, responsibly and compassionately. And there are great rewards that come out of it um, once we start going through that journey. You know, one of the rewards is that we, we feel more alive because being alive is about feeling alive, not thinking alive. And um, so, but initially, it can be, you know, quite an intense experience. Right. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to clear that up because I think we paradoxically assume that once we begin to start feeling that we're going to just feel better magically. And I think that's no, because, and that's the one thing about this work is that it's not about feeling better. It's about getting better at feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a very, very big difference. And so... Uh, for me, in my own experience, I still have days that just feel deeply uncomfortable. And I have days that feel great, and I accept both as valid. Mm-hmm. And they are both I, valid. I accept both as absolutely valid. And in fact, um, my, my take on it is that if I'm alive in this world today, and I'm not experiencing feelings of discomfort coming at me, then I'm not truly alive. Right. Because at the moment, our world is processing it deep amount of uh, emotional baggage that's been passed through who knows how many generations. Okay, and well, so I'm going to stop you there, and we're going to come back in just a minute to talk about that very thing some more. Okay. We'll be back in just a moment with Authentic Living. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor and sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back thanking me for my concerns and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. 
Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back. This is Authentic Living, and this is Andrea Matthews, and we're talking today with Michael Brown, the author of The Presence Process and Alchemy of the Heart. And just before the break, we were talking about uh, something that made me remember that this, this whole thing that you're talking about flies a bit in, not only in the face of what we've all been taught as a, uh, in our various cultures and our various societies, but also it flies in the face of a lot of the New Age thinking that sort of tells us not to go with whatever's what we what they consider to be negative thinking or negative feelings. So, can you speak to that just a little bit, Michael? Well, mm, I don't know really how to speak to that. I do also, you know, I have a problem with people that say let's just be one and just be here now and and just uh, and and for me it's just about um, you know get real with your life the way it is. And realize that if you're in the world at the moment, if you're a human being at the moment, and you've been blessed with some level of, of greater awareness than, than the majority of the population, because the majority of the population is in, in survival mode, in, and, and, and most human beings are just struggling. And in fact, I don't know how most human beings actually do it, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. But most human beings are really struggling and we're in a very difficult time because we're in a cleanse that's going on. And so there's no point of, you know, nirvana or arrival, okay, everything's just fine. There's none of that. So the spiritual teachings that teach that to me, I just, I, I have no point of reference for that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or for someone who says, you know, I'll do it for you or any of that stuff. Because um, as far as I can, and my experience shows me that if I'm alive in the world today, I'm going to be feeling a lot of deep discomfort surfacing because this emotional um, imprinting that has been passed from generation to generation is surfacing at the moment to be integrated. And the more aware and conscious one is, the more one is going to feel it. It's not the other case that if you become more aware and conscious, you actually just feel great all the time or you're in bliss all the time. In fact, most people that I've, in fact, I would say everyone that I've met who professes to be in bliss all the time is usually in denial because that, that's not what's going on on, the, on this planet at the moment. So, um, you know, I've tried not to really equate my stuff with, with, with the New Age spirituality because I think a lot of that is escapist. I think it's another form of using meditation to sedate and control one's experience. To me, the most honest thing is to turn in on one's own experience and go, what am I really, what is really going on with me right now? Can I be with that? Can I be with that without condition? In other words, can I, can I, because to me that's what love is, can I be with it without trying to sedate it or control it or manipulate it uh, into being something else? Can I actually be with it as it is and allow it to move on and come to a point of integration? And that is deeply uh, challenging work. That's why there's so few people 
on the planet doing this sort of work. It, 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 to me, people that enter their emotional condition consciously are, the, are some of the bravest of the human beings because there's nothing, there's nothing easy about it. And, and in the presence process, I say to people, right in the beginning of the book, eliminate the words good and easy from your vocabulary if you're going to do this work because it's not about feeling good. It's not about making things easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I find that so many people say that it's hard to do as sort of an excuse not to do it. Well, it's really, there is nothing to do. The doing really is stopping the experience. That's where all the doing is happening, whether we're doing lots of yoga or we're doing fasts or we're doing meditation. A lot of that behavior is sedating and controlling the discomfort that we're going on instead of just stopping, being still and going, okay, I'm an angry person. Let me feel my anger. Let me not project it into, into stories because anger tells the most wicked stories. And let me not project it into behavior that hurts other people. But let me allow myself to feel my anger, for goodness sake. Let me allow myself to feel my grief and to feel my fear and not let it drive me into behaviors that move me away from my authenticity. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's quite new for many people that are involved in spirituality. Yep. Because a lot of spirituality says this is a destination you can go to, we'll give you nirvana, or you can have whatever you want, the law of attraction, you can have the big house, you can have all the money, you can have all these things. But what's really saying is get away from the experience you're having now and have another one. But actually the truth or the pathway into into what we're really looking for is through what's really going on with us at the moment. What's going on with us at the moment is required. And so it's about you know, uh, discerning between a need, a want, and a requirement. And uh, the requirement, requirement is all about emotional growth. Want is all about our mental stuff, and need is all about our physical necessities in the world. But when we get to a point of emotional growth, then we start dealing with what's required. And what's required, we know what's required because it happens. If something happens, it's required. Now, can I be with that, or do I want something else to be going on? Mm-hmm. And that's a very difficult uh, journey to walk because even though I've been walking it for I don't know how many years now, it's never got any easier, but I wouldn't walk any other journey. But it doesn't mean it gets any easier, especially not being alive on this planet at the moment. You know? mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, one of the most powerful statements, I'm going to quote you from the presence process, is this one. Instead of choosing to develop the emotional maturity required to give ourselves the attention that we seek, we prefer to manifest outer drama so that we can get this attention from others. Right. That statement is so potent. Can you tell our listeners what you mean by giving ourselves the attention we seek? Well, if I don't know, uh, I'll give you a very simple example. I call this mirror work. After the, you know, I did a lot of talks and stuff. I did a lot of touring for two and a half years. And after doing a presentation or weekend workshop, I would go into the, the bathroom because you always end up going to the bathroom at some time during the day. And I would go to the mirror and I would say to the mirror, Michael, you're the man. You're the man. That was a fantastic talk. And I would really mean it. And I would talk to myself and I would encourage myself the same way I can go to a mirror and say, Michael, I know that you're you know, having this problem at the moment. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. I'm going to take care of it, right? So in other words, um, that's just an example of a, a metaphoric, a physical way of going towards myself and supporting myself. If I don't go and do that for myself, 
then I will behave in such a way around the people that would come to the presentations in order to get them to tell me how good I was. Now, that's a simple example of how we behave in the world. If I am unable to support myself when I feel grief, I will create a drama around me so other people will support me in my grief. If I'm unable to comfort myself when I am in the state of fear, then I will create some sort of drama around me so others will comfort me in my state of fear. And emotionally growing up is about being there with yourself. Can I comfort myself when I'm, fury, when I'm in a state of fury? When I'm absolutely fuming and angry and wanting to rip someone to pieces because they've pushed a button that's, that's brought up a trigger from my youth, from, you know, from my uh, imprinting, can I actually be with myself and sit with myself in the midst of my anger and comfort myself? Because if I can't, I will project my behavior into the world and I will get other people to become involved in that imprint and that's what drama is. When I bring other people into my imprint and get them involved in, through projection. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that- so that, you know, you were talking about the drama and the dharma, right? It's either drama or dharma. And drama is when I project my imprint, my imprinting into the world, and dharma is when I awaken to my imprinting and allow it to take me on a journey into myself through self-perception, which takes me towards the vibrational, towards my, what I authentically am. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, but when I, when I talk to people about this being able to sort of what I call, what Carl Jung called the holding the tension between the two and just being present with that feeling of, say, anger, like you've just said. One of the yeah. things I hear from people so often is that they, they say, well, aren't people supposed to support people? Why, why would I want, not want to seek support when, I, when I'm hurting? What? Well, absolutely. I mean, you can support. You see, the, the, there's a difference. There's a difference of being with someone. If someone's angry, for example, if I know how to be with myself when I'm angry, then when someone around me is angry, I know how to be with them when they're angry. And that is compassion, to actually be with a person and not say, don't be angry, it's not right to be angry, stop your anger, because I don't do that to myself, I'm not going to do it to another. So if someone comes to me and they're in a state of grief, I will sit with them and I will be with them while they're in a state of grief. I won't tell them to recover. In other words, recovery means to cover up your grief or cover up your anger. A lot of what we call helping other people is people going around stopping other people's imprints from coming up. And that's not helping, right? Um, That's not what compassion is. Compassion is in the word come, pass on. If you're in a state of grief, if I know how to be with myself when I'm in a state of grief and allow my grief to surface and allow it to come to a point of integration, then if you enter my space and you're in a state of grief, I will sit with you and I will be totally present with you while you're in your grief. I will honor your grief. I will allow you to grieve until your grief comes to a point of uh, completion. I won't tell you to feel better and that it should have been different and buy into whatever stories you're telling. I'll just be with you. So I can only be with you in that compassionate state when I'm able to be with myself. If I'm not able to be with myself, if I cannot accept my own grief, I'm not going to allow you to grieve around me. You can be sure about that. Right, right, right. Okay. You tell us also in the presence process that we began our habit of mentally evacuating the physical body in childhood because we were afraid of what was happening to us in the present moment so that we traded authentic presence for the armor of pretense. When I discuss this with people, the first question is typically something like this. 
what? You want me to ignore reality in favor of some fantasy world? We've come to believe in the lie so much that we think it's the truth. How can we work with this illusion to realize the truth? And we're going to have to come back to that right after the break. (laughs) I promise we'll come right back to that. This is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living, sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, and we'll be back in just a moment with more Michael Clark. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living. We're talking today with Michael Brown about his two books, The Presence Process and Alchemy of the Heart. I asked a question last time that we didn't get to answer, and the question was, 
how do we work with the illusion of, of what we've been taught that to suspend, uh, uh, well, let me just ask it the way I said it. But so many people, when I'm asked, talking to them about this possibility of being present with our emotions, they say, what, you want me to ignore reality in favor of some fantasy world? How do we work with this illusion that the, that the real world is what we've created to realize the truth? Are you asking me the question? Yes. Could you hear that? Yes, no, I could hear. The music was a bit loud, but I, I you know, that's what that's what alchemy is. Um, alchemy is a a way of of breaking down uh, the the illusion. And illusion is a great word. If you look at illusion, it means ill is in you. You know, it, it says it in the word. Um, there's three things going on in our experience. You know, all the time. The one is there's a physical aspect to our experience. There is a mental aspect to our experience, and there is a felt aspect to our experience. And what alchemy is, it's a means whereby we, 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 we use the physical aspect as a mirror. So something is going on in my life physically that is really disturbing or upsetting me, whether it's in my body or whether it is outside in the world. There will also be a story that I will tell about that. Um, and uh, you may have three people in a room with the same event going on and there'll be three different stories going on. Um, so if I'm in that situation and I sit with the felt aspect of the experience, I unhook from the story, which is very challenging to do. Again, it's an art form. To unhook from the story, to allow the physical event around me to happen, but to really go into the felt aspect of the experience. If I sit with the felt aspect, the felt aspect is going to build and build and build, and it will get to a point of uh, crescendo and that will reveal to me what happens it will awaken me to an insight about what's really going on and the insight once I enter the insight I will I will realize that the story I told myself is just that it's a story and the physical event around me was simply like a mirror uh, reflecting it back to me mostly what we do in the world is we clean the mirror to go out and try and get rid of the pimples and um, what the presence process does and what alchemy of the heart uh, shows us what to do is to use the mirror to actually see ourselves rather than to, again, try and clean the mirror. So sitting with the felt aspect of the experience is what brings reality back to the full. Right. So the, the, uh, this mirror is not the reality at all. It is just something we've created that we can look at. Well, into. it is a reality, but what we do is we project on it... Um, we project on it the condition of our imprint. Okay. So there is a reality unfolding in this world. Um, and, and to me, it's what I call, it, I call it the common experience. So there is a common experience unfolding for all of us in this world. Um, and in religious terms, I would say it's God's will. But there is an experience unfolding. On top of that experience, we have a story about it. And that story and all of that those interpretations of what's going on are coming from our emotional imprint. It's only when we clear the emotional imprint that, we, that the, the truth of what's going on unfolds within us. But I have to, I have to see that in myself before I can see it in the world. Mm -hmm. I have to see it in myself before I can see it in the world. For example, I have to see... If I can see how my fear, anger, and grief shape my mental body and then my behavior, 
then I can look at the world and see how that's going on with other human beings. If I can't see that about myself, I can't see that about other human beings. For example, if we look at the Middle East at the moment, I look at the Middle East with what's going on there between you know, Israel and Palestine, and all you have there is massive amounts of memories surfacing. And instead of people processing these ancient, ancient memories that are coming up, they're projecting them on each other and going to war with each other. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, I can see that, but people involved in that can't see that if they're not in touch with their own imprint. Mm-hmm. So as soon as a person gets in touch with their own emotional imprint, they can then look at the world and see how human beings are processing their emotional imprints at the moment, but they don't know that's happening, so they're projecting them into the world and then they're attacking each other. Mm-hmm. They're basically attacking the mirror. And if you go and attack a mirror, you're going to get cut to pieces. True. Good point. Good point. Okay, so in alchemy, uh, you tell us that pain is a portal. Yes. Tell us about how that works. I mean, I, I think that is how you've been, to what you've been saying all along, but I want to hear more right. about the exactness. Well, of well you know, in, simp- in the simplest terms, love is a feeling. What we think of as God is something that we feel. It's a vibration. Um, everything we're really seeking is a vibration. Abundance is a vibration that we feel. A life is a feeling. It all comes down to feeling. We don't think love. We feel love. Now, in our childhood, we're imprinted with these deeply uncomfortable feelings, and the way we react to that is we shut down our feeling body. Um, And when we shut down our feeling body, it goes into resistance, and that resistance we call fear, anger, and grief. Now, when my feeling body is shut down, I'm unable to feel those vibrations. I'm unable to even feel myself. So when I go into my pain or my fear, anger, and grief and allow myself to feel it, what happens is I reawaken my feeling capacity. That's the gift of feeling what is. The basic gift of feeling what is is reawakening my feeling capacity. And when I reawaken my feeling capacity, I'm once again able to feel what love is, feel what joy is, feel what life is. And then I'm less likely to go and try and figure out, you know, uh, a good example is this. Uh, There's there's three ways that people make peace in the world. The one way is they rearrange things physically. So they can say, all of you shut up and sit still so that I can feel at peace, so that I can be at peace. In other words, we arrange physical circumstances to be at peace. The other way people make peace is they say, okay, you bring your manifesto and I'll bring my manifesto and we'll talk about it, we'll have a peace conference, and after talking about it, we'll try and accomplish peace. Peace has never been accomplished by physically rearranging circumstances nor by approaching it as a concept because peace is a feeling. Only when I awaken my feeling capacity am I able to realize that I live in the midst of peace. This entire world is coated with peace. There is nothing but peace here. But if I don't have a capacity to feel it, I don't know that, and then I go and try and figure out through my understanding how to make peace, and I discuss it, and I go and uh, move things around physically, and that's because I don't have any felt capacity to engage with what peace is. Peace is a vibration that I have to feel. 
Only when I go into my own emotional condition, resolve my fear, anger, and grief by allowing myself to gradually feel it and integrate it and awaken my felt perception, am I once again able to engage with what peace is. And that's what the part of alchemy is. It enables us to awaken our felt perception so that we can re-engage with the vibrational aspect of our experience. So we sort of walk through pain to get there. Well, yeah, and, and uh, you know, that, that question always comes up, well, why do, why, why do we have to go through the pain to get there? Or why do, and actually, I've never been able to figure that out. Mm-hmm. This is just what's going on. And for me, that has been the only honest journey to take is into the felt aspect of the experience. Right, right. One of the most revealing things that I think you do in uh, Alchemy of the Heart is you use you change the word realize into two words, real, eyes, R-E-A-L-E-Y-E-S. Yes. Uh, I think that's really exactly what you're talking about, that really what yes. we're doing is developing new eyes. Yes. Where uh, the eyes of the heart are felt perception. The eyes of the mental body are what I call the anal eyes. We analyze everything. <laughs> and, and that's the mental uh, aspect of our capacity. Our mental eyes are really understanding as our mental eyes. And our physical eyes, obviously, is using the physical eyes uh, in, in this physical body to look at the physical aspect of the world. But there are, there are different points of view. The physical eyes have a point of view. The mental eyes have a point of view, and the real eyes, when I, when I realize something, it's from insight, sight that goes within, and it's, it's awakening of my self-perception. Those are the eyes of the heart, and only the eyes of the heart have the capacity to engage with the vibrational, or which, which we now call the spiritual. I prefer the word vibrational because religions really haven't got hold of it and stuff yet. But the vibrational, we can only engage with the vibrational through felt aspect. We can't see it with our physical eyes. We can't grasp it as a concept. We can't understand the vibration. We can try and understand the vibrational, but understanding is not an experience. It's just a mental exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only way to engage with the vibrational is through feeling the vibrational. And if, if my fear, anger, and grief is suppressed and my feeling body is shut down because of that, then I don't ever get to engage with the vibrational. And then what I do is I try and seek for the vibrational through my understanding and through my physical activity. Then I try and do all these physical practices and do all these, you know, do all this, these, uh, try and get to all these mental concepts about oneness and all of this stuff. But none of that takes me into the direct experience of the vibrational. The only thing that takes me there is the feeling. And um, as humanity at the moment, our feeling body is pretty pretty well shut down. Mm-hmm. So the journey is to reawaken the felt aspect of our experience. Right, right. Okay, we're about to take a break again, and we've been talking with Michael Brown today about the alchemy of the heart and the presence process. This is Andrea Matthews, and this is Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. We'll be back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. 
With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Over there? Over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, (laughs) no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. (laughs) Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back. One last segment to talk with Michael Brown. I wish we could go on for hours and hours. But before we go any further, what I want to say to you listeners is if you haven't read Michael Brown's books, The Presence Process and Alchemy of the Heart, go out and get them today and read them. Don't just read them. Savor them because these are books to be savored. They're both published by Namaste Publishing, and you can get them on that website, www.namastepublishing.com, or you can get them at your local bookstore or at an online outlet such as Amazon.com. So we're back talking now to Michael about this whole idea of the alchemy of the heart. And uh, Michael and I were talking during the break when you were not getting to listen about this whole thing of how the world is in a place of, of change and, and becoming mature and how we have matured technically and mentally and physically, but we haven't matured in this area of emotional uh, growth. And that is why we're in this process at, ta- at this time of sort of bringing that to our attention. 
Um, Michael, you talk in the alchemy about the perceptual tool in which we do nothing but simply realize through actively wielding our uh, our attention and our intention. Tell us what you mean by actively wielding our attention and intention. Well, everything, uh, every you know, our experience that we have in each moment is the sum of our attention and intention. At the bottom line is those are the only tools we have, actually, is our attention. Where we're focusing our attention, you know, our attention is where my point of focus is. My intention is why am I, why am I focusing there? And, and those two things put together my experience because our experience, anybody's experience is happening at the point of their attention. It's not happening anywhere else. It's happening at the point of their attention. But what we do not realize is that our attention, until we resolve our emotional condition or integrate it, our attention, our point of focus, is being driven unconsciously by the condition of our emotional body. Our intention is coming from our emotional body. Uh, the, attention, the, the attention is the what, what am I focusing on, and the intention is the why. And the why comes from the emotional body. And our task is to become conscious of that intention, part of the experience. When we start to take responsibility for the quality, because what this work is about is starting to take responsibility for the quality of my experience. And to get out of victim and victor mentality, no one's going to save me, no one's going to help me, no one's going to do it for me. It is really, I have all the tools, I have all the capacities, I was, I was created with all the capacities, and now it's up to me to take responsibility for those, for my attention and my, my intention, especially my intention. Mm-hmm. And those two things come together to determine the quality of our experience. Okay, and it's intention that we make that choice out of that brings us to that place that says... Okay, yes, I'm but often it's happening completely unconsciously to us. I mean, some, some people, um, you know, some people, many of us end up living lives, doing things that are driven by a very unconscious intention. And that intention is really developed, uh, unless we go in and consciously take, take hold of it, it's running from a seven-year-old child. And most seven-year-old children are still trying to please mommy and daddy or get away from mommy and daddy or, or whatever that intention is. That's not really the intention of an adult. It's the intention of a child. And, and until we take, uh, take charge of our emotional condition, the child is running us. The, the fear, anger, and grief of the child part of us is actually driving the focus of our attention. So I think if I get a if I get a really big house, my daddy will, my daddy and mommy will be pleased with me. If I get that job over there, then I'll be liked by people. That's the child. That's got nothing to do with being a mature an emotionally mature adult. Right. And becoming an emotionally mature adult is when I look at my emotional condition and I take responsibility for it, so that I consciously am driving my own intention. Excellent. Thank you. That was perfectly uh, explained. You also assert in alchemy that there's a difference between becoming conscious of who we are and following the straight and narrow in whatever fashion our particular cultural or religion professes. Can you explain what you mean by that? 
Well, uh, to me, the straight and narrow is um, uh, the straight and narrow is really what the present moment is. When I go into my, I can go into my thoughts. I can go anywhere. Um, but what happens is, if I allow myself to engage with the felt aspect of my experience, the felt aspect of my experience never lies. My feelings don't ever lie. What the lie only starts when I start telling stories about my feelings, of why I'm feeling the way I am and what it means, etc., etc. That's when I go into the illusion. But if I can stay with the felt aspect of my experience, if I walk into a room, for example, and there's a whole group of people there, and I suddenly feel very uncomfortable, I can start to tell myself a story about what's going on. I've immediately gone off the straight and narrow. I'm no longer in the moment. I'm now going into an illusionary place, a mental place. And then if I behave out of that place, then I'm delusional. I'm behaving out of the story that I'm telling myself. But if I enter the room and it's, there's an uncomfortable feeling that I engage with as I walk in there, if I stay with that feeling, allow the feeling to be there and say, look, I'm feeling very uncomfortable right now, but it's valid, so I'm going to stay with that. That's what's staying on the straight and narrow. I will always stay in the truth of the experience if I stay with the felt aspect of the, of the experience without trying to push it away, change it, tell stories about it, or act physically out of those stories. And to me, that's what the straight and narrow is. The straight and narrow is when I allow the heart or the felt aspect of my experience to guide me through my, my moment-to-moment experiences. Okay, thank you. All right, you had one more. As long as we're still navigating our experiences toward that which is easy, we automatically navigate away from that which makes life real. That's when we enter the boredom. What do you mean by that statement? Well, the boredom is when I live in my mental Right. Um, if, if, if every time, well, because the, the, the kingdom is the felt aspect, comes through the felt aspect of the experience. If I'm r- running away from my fear, anger, and grief, if I'm con- consistently maneuvering away from that, and the way we maneuver away from that again is we go into the story and then we behave out of the story. A person who lives out of the story and behaves out of the story, their life has no felt aspect to it. They run away from the feeling. They're usually sedating and controlling. And that is the life of the boredom, where I have to do a lot of things to feel okay about myself. I have to consistently be rearranging the physical world to be okay about myself. That's the boredom. Uh, The boredom, there's actually three levels. There's the boredom, there's the doldrum, and then there's the the kingdom. And, and when I realize I'm living in the boredom because I'm sedating and controlling my life experience and I have very little felt aspect of my experience, I don't actually feel alive, I do alive, I think alive, and I turn around into my emotional body. Remember we said earlier on, the moment I start to engage with my emotional body, it can become uncomfortable. It can also enter a state, uh, uh, an experience where it feels like nothing's happening because I'm not pushing things around anymore. I'm not manipulating my environment so that I feel better about life or things are easier. When I stop the manipulating, everything almost stops, gets uncomfortable, and it stops, and I call that the doldrum. And if I allow myself to stay there and awaken my self-perception, which takes it's organic and takes as long as it takes, then I will move from the boredom through the doldrum and then re-enter the kingdom. And the kingdom is when I feel alive. Not think alive and do alive, I actually feel alive. And then when I take that feeling of aliveness, 
then it's going to give me wonderful thinking processes, wonderful uh, mental states. It's also going to guide me into uh, very deeply enjoyable physical activities. And we've been listening to Michael Brown tell us how to move into the kingdom. This is Andrea Matthews. Tune in again next week when we'll be talking to Stephen Morrison about uh, spiritual responsibility. Remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.